Blog Talk Radio. Hey, welcome to this installment of the Steel Conversation. My name is Brian Yardo. Shortly, we're going to be joined by Josh Edwards, Cleveland Browns on 24-7 Sports, to really get down to it and figure out now which roster is better between Pittsburgh and Cleveland entering training camp for both teams. Uh, obviously, everybody believes that the Browns have uh, the superior roster right now after they went out and got Odell Beckham Jr. and Kareem Hunt, albeit Kareem Hunt will start the 2019 season on suspension. Um, and, yes, those are two stars that the Browns acquired. But the main question is, overall, who has done more to their roster to have a better roster at this current point in time? Uh, obviously, I'm going to argue the Steelers. Um at the same time, it's not a biased opinion. The Steelers have uh, – now, have they made the sexy acquisitions? No. Did they lose Antonio Brown? Yes. Did they lose Le'Veon Bell? Yes, even though uh, Le'Veon Bell technically you know, really wasn't even on the team last year. So uh, I do think that you can make a solid argument that Pittsburgh still has a stronger roster than Cleveland's and with that we do bring in now Josh Edwards who covers the Browns on 24-7 sports Josh how are you and are you ready to uh to do a little bit of roster breakdown between the uh you know the team that's won the AFC North a couple of times recently and the team that many think will win the North in 2019 absolutely man Browns got back to uh minicamp today so we got a little bit of football going on and uh you know it seems like just before we know it, we'll be back into training camp, preseason, and then the meaningful football once we get to September. No doubt, yeah, and it's it's coming soon. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, on one end, we're still about four months away from week one, but there's still a lot to that's going to happen between now and then, mini camps, training camps, preseason games, all that good stuff. So there's never really a true off season when it comes to the NFL. But let's, let's get right to it. Let's Let's start with the quarterbacks, and we'll, what we'll do is, uh, since I cover the Steelers, I'll kind of lay out, uh, you know, each you know player at the position. Josh will do the same, and at the end, we'll figure out quickly which team uh, does have the better players at the certain position that we just discussed. So we'll start with the quarterback position uh, with Ben Roethlisberger for the Steelers. Obviously, uh, his career speaks for itself. A future Hall of Famer coming off a 5,000-yard passing season, 34 touchdowns. He did throw 16 interceptions that led the league uh, and threw a costly one against the Browns in that week one tie. I think he threw several interceptions in that game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, behind him, you've got Josh Dobbs and Mason Rudolph. Uh, you know, I, I think that they will compete to be the number two next year uh, after Rudolph was not allowed to compete for that, uh, for the number two spot in 18. I think he will in 19. Uh, I know, I know you're going to have a lot to say about Baker, but I feel like right now, uh, given what Ben did last year, I, I would still give uh, the nod um, to the Steelers in terms of the quarterback position. But Josh, as we just said, I'm going to give you a chance at rebuttal. Yeah, I mean, behind Baker, they've got Drew Stan, they've got Garrett Gilbert, they brought in David Blau from Purdue as an undrafted free agent, but I like to consider myself more of a realist, and as much as I'm excited about the future with Baker Mayfield, you can't ignore all that Ben Roethlisberger has accomplished in his career. Mayfield, you know, maybe he does as well, maybe he doesn't do as well, maybe he surpasses what Ben has done. We don't know, but if you base it on what we do know, 
and what Ben has accomplished through a pretty extraordinary career. It's had some Super Bowls, um, several Pro Bowl appearances. You've got to give him the advantage. Um, I don't think there's any question unless you're just completely blind in, in your fandom, um, you know, in regards to the Browns. I think Roethlisberger is the easy choice between the two, but I think Mayfield has the potential to potentially surpass him in the future. Oh, no doubt. And I think it's closer than maybe some fans on the outside would think, you know, and and I think the main thing also is what do you have around you? Uh, And that's where Baker could have an advantage over Ben, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, Josh, since I went first last time, if you want to kick us off uh, talking running backs, and I think this one could be a little contentious. I don't know who, who going into this, to this position is going to get the win, but if you want to go ahead and start us off with the Browns running backs. Well, I think if everybody were to start in week one, it'd be clearly in Cleveland's advantage, but we can talk about that. You've got Nick Chubb, who was a Rookie of the Year finalist last year, sitting atop the depth chart. You've got Kareem Hunt, who is going to be suspended for the first eight games of the season, a guy that who won NFL Rookie of the Year in the past. You've got Duke Johnson, a very versatile back. He can run. He can catch as your third running back, and then you've got some depth guys behind him. Um, But, again, you're going to be without Kareem Hunt for the first eight games of the season. Even with that, if you enter the season with Nick Chubb, Duke Johnson, and the understanding that you get Hunt back fresh halfway through the season, I think Cleveland has a clear advantage um, at the running back position. But, you know, you've got some promising young players too. So what do you think? Well, you know, and, and I know when you're saying that, uh, it's not biased because I know how much you like Benny Snell. You covered him uh, when he was at Kentucky, uh, and we'll have that story uh, soon, too. I was able to sit down with Josh and break down what Steeler fans can expect from Benny Snell. But, yeah, I think the potential is there for the Steeler running backs. But right now, when you just look at what was done last year with the two running back uh team units, you have to give the Browns the advantage right now. Now, if Kareem Hunt was coming back week one, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. But because he is going to be away, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of potential with the Steelers. Um, You know, James Conner's coming off a very strong season. He did have fumbling issues, and that's going to be something that he's going to have to work on. Um, I believe the Steelers need to have more of a running back by committee approach. I think that was one of the reasons why they went with Benny Snell. Um, I think they really do think that he can make an impact right away. Um, and, and I think that his skill set, um, as long as he continues to, to impress the Steelers brass, I think he will compete with Jalen Samuels, who had a good season last year as well, uh, to be maybe the Steelers' number two running back. But, yes, yeah, so I'm going to have to go with you. I will say Cleveland uh, with a little caveat that I do believe that the Steelers certainly do have uh, the ability uh, to have one of the stronger uh, NFL backfields next season. And uh, this is the tough one coming up here, Josh. Uh, so, you know, the quarterbacks we gave to the Steelers, the running backs we gave to the Browns. Uh, let's talk wide receivers uh, because I, you know, a year ago, I don't think – I mean, now, if you remember last offseason, the, the Browns were yapping a little bit that they thought they had the best receiving core in the AFC North. Uh, now, I don't I – don't, I, I think a lot of people would, have, would agree with them. I don't think they need to go out and try to uh, make their case. I think people are making it for them now. Yeah, before we move on, you know, I I want to say I was very high on Jalen Samuels, too. So you add the fact that you've mm-hmm. got Benny, who, um, as Steelers fans will find out, that I'm 
incredibly high on and think that he's a pretty safe pick for where they took him. I really like Jalen Samuels, and you can't help but not root for James Conner as well. So very intriguing backfield in Pittsburgh. But, yeah, the wide receiver room, again, i got to give the advantage to Cleveland. You've got Odell Beckham Jr., who's potentially the best wide receiver in the game. Jarvis Landry, it seems like he's their number two, but it's actually going to be very interesting because there's a few guys behind him that are not getting a lot of love that probably deserve it. You've got Rashard Higgins, Antonio Callaway. Higgins is more of a consistent threat. Um, Antonio Callaway is one of those downfield, stretch the field kind of guys. Jarvis is just a guy that's going to make plays. He's, he's consistent. That's what he's been in his career. He averaged 100 receptions the first four years in his, his time with the Dolphins. Um, so just the combination of those four players, you've got the elite level with Beckham. I think it's just tough for any team in the NFL to beat the Browns, let alone the Steelers without Antonio Brown this season. Yeah, Juju is a great receiver, but what's he going to be without Antonio? How's he going to be when he's the number one receiver without the security net of a guy like Antonio Brown across from him? So that's what I'm looking for in terms of the Steelers this season. Yeah, and I'm with you. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of like the running backs, but this one's a little bit more clear. You know, I think the Steelers have a lot of really great potential at the wide receiver position, but right now, I mean, the potential is, is exactly that. It's just potential. There's nothing tangible. So you have to give the Browns the advantage based on, you know, what Odell, what you, what you know he's going to bring to the table and what they already have with Jarvis Landry and how well he played his first year in Cleveland, and then with, with Callaway and with, with some other guys that – you're saying really aren't getting uh, their due right now as the Browns kick off minicamp. And, you know, with the Steelers, you know, I, I do think Juju is going to be still a very prolific receiver. It's going to be harder for him. I, I don't think there's any doubt there without Antonio. But really what the Steelers have done is they've added a lot of competition to that receiver's room. Um, you know, they had a couple of guys on the roster, Justin Hunter and Hayward Bay, that they continued to give chances to, but it was just clear that they weren't giving the Steelers the on-field production that was necessary the last couple of years. Now Brown leaves, and now it's pretty much forced the Steelers' hands to let those two guys go and really say, okay, like we're going to open this whole competition up. Like Right now, I couldn't tell you who the Steelers' number two receiver is going to be entering 2019. I mean, the odds on favorite are Ryan Switzer, uh, James Washington, and Dante Moncrief. And then you also have Deontay Johnson, uh, who the Steelers spent their the 66 overall pick in the draft on. Then you also have Eli Rogers, who's a very tough kid, coming back from uh, an injury that wiped out most of his 18 seasons. So there's just a ton of competition there for the Steeler wideouts. And really, um, they, they, their response to losing Antonio was with depth. It wasn't with, let's get another star in here. Um, so I think it's, again, like the running back position in Pittsburgh. They have a star, Juju, and beyond that, there's a lot of depth and there's going to be a lot of competition. And I think that will bring out the best in the Steelers. I, I, but <laughs> with all that being said, I, I think, again, I'm going to have to give this one to the Browns. So the Browns have a two-to-one edge uh, going into uh, the offensive line. Then we'll get to the tight ends. But uh, the O-line, I, I think it's going to be hard to beat Pittsburgh. Uh, they've got three pro bowlers uh, with Pouncey, who I don't think gets enough Hall of Fame talk because he – is carving out quietly a Hall of Fame career for himself. And they also have Villanueva, left tackle, who did struggle uh, you know, against Miles Garrett in week one last year, did better when the two teams faced off again in week eight. He's been a pro bowler the last two years. DeCastro is arguably 
the best uh, right guard in football. They also have Ramon Foster, who has never made a Pro Bowl, but he's a consistent quality player. Um, they did lose Marcus Gilbert, but they've got Jaquuma Orkor for coming back, had a solid rookie campaign, and they also have B.J. Finney and Matt Filer, two guys that uh, are also uh, pining for starting positions as well. So uh, I would say, uh, and I know the Browns have some, some good linemen, but I would say right now the Steelers probably have the edge here. Yeah, I mean, you can just kind of work your way across the board. So I'll say left tackle, I would give the advantage to Pittsburgh. Um, Alejandro Villanueva over Greg Robinson. Robinson showed a lot of potential last year, but he hasn't done it at a consistent level. Villanueva has. Ramon Foster at left guard, I think he's a lesser player than Joel Batonio for the Browns. I'll give the edge to Cleveland there. Center, I'll go back to Morkey's Pouncey over J.C. Treader. Treader was the number nine ranked offensive guard or center rather by pro football focus but I do like Pouncey he's had a consistent career I'll give Pittsburgh the edge there right guard you've got to go with David DeCastro um, Cleveland moved on from Kevin Zeitler this offseason if it had been Zeitler maybe I would have given Cleveland the advantage here but it's not so you've got Austin Corbett the second year lineman who didn't play much last year they have a lot of hope for him at that right guard position but it's all speculation at this point until he puts it on the field Right tackle, Pittsburgh really kind of has this competition going on. You've got Chukwuma Okora for the third-round pick last year. He's a guy that, you know, could be a swing tackle for them. He could maybe move to right tackle. I liked him a lot. I probably would have taken him before I took Greg Little in the second round like the Carolina Panthers did this past year. Um, But Cleveland's got more of a known commodity, I think, with Chris Hubbard, a guy that Pittsburgh's familiar with at that Mm -hmm. position. So if you want to break it down, Pittsburgh has three of the five starting offensive line advantages, so you've got to give them the the nod as a unit. So I would give Pittsburgh the advantage as the offensive line. All right, man. Hey, it's two to two here as we break continue to break down the Steeler-Browns rosters going into the 19 season. Uh, I'll let you start us off here at the tight end position, and honestly going in, I don't know who's going to win this one. Yeah, man, I tried to give you all my – my uh, your Heath Miller replacement with T.J. Hawkinson in the mock drafts, but <laughs> clearly he didn't fall that far. Clearly Pittsburgh had this other plane in place where they were going to move up and get Devin Bush, but you've got Vance McDonald um, at tight end for the Steelers. I just don't think it's enough to overcome what Cleveland has. You've got David Njoku, the former first-round pick. Uh, a little inconsistent, but he's got really high-quality athletic traits. They added Demetrius Harris, the veteran in the offseason, um, a guy that's pretty balanced in terms of his blocking and his pass-catching ability. I just think that's more of a well-rounded unit than what Pittsburgh probably has to offer this season. I agree with you. I agree. And and the Zach Gentry signing is probably the one I'm least excited about uh, because I just don't see the production. I mean, he had less than 50 catches, 800 yards, four touchdowns at Michigan. He's six foot eight. I just, I don't see it. Um, I think it was a reach, but again, I mean, if they're, if they're looking for another Matt space, you know, a backup tight end, they head back in 08, then it's fine. But yeah, I mean, Xavier Grimble's okay. You know, these are good blocking tight ends. So if you're not looking for a lot of production, then that's fine. Um, Hawkinson, and I was with you, I was drinking the Hawkinson Kool-Aid and, and it's funny because, Really, the Steelers made no secret about what they wanted to do the whole time, but um, I I was kind of you know scenting other you know scent or smelling other scents from other places, and one of them was 
you know, I, you and a lot of other people were talking about Hawkinson. And if he fell, then, then maybe they – if the Steelers set, you know, stayed pad at 20, I think that the mindset was let's take best available. Hawkinson obviously wasn't going to go up that – fall that far. But, uh, you know, McDonald is good when healthy. He had a career year last year, but I do agree with you. I think the depth – uh, that Cleveland has uh, at the tight end position gives them the edge. So, uh, so overall, uh, I would give the Browns the advantage offensively, three to two, heading into uh, the defensive side. Thank you guys for listening. Josh Edwards, Brian Giardo, really trying to give you a definitive answer: uh, which roster is better at this point in time? Uh, let's talk defensive line. And the Steelers have a good defensive line. I wouldn't say it's a great one. Cameron Hayward is coming off two really productive seasons, had, I believe, eight, eight and a half sacks last year, had 12 the year before that. He's obviously the leader of that group. Uh, Stephon Tewitt is good. Uh, Second-round pick in 14, never developed into a star, but he's certainly a solid player. A couple of years ago, he signed a multi-year deal with the team. He has injury issues, and that's kind of something to keep an eye on as his career continues. Um, Javon Hargrave is arguably the Steelers' most underrated player. Third-round pick in 16, small school guy. Uh, career high 16 sacks or 6.5 sacks last year uh, and a good player and behind him behind those starters they've got Tyson Aluolu who's a a very solid guy uh, and somebody that was a first round pick way back in 2010 so um, I do like the Steelers defensive line Uh, they're solid uh, yet unspectacular Um, but yeah that's that's what I've got for you on the D-line and again uh, like the tight ends going in I don't know who's going to win this one well, I'd, Cleveland's got Miles Garrett at defensive end. They've got Olivier Vernon at defensive end. Defensive tackle, you've got Larry Ogunjobi, who has spent the last two off seasons working out with Geno Atkins. Um, and then you've got Sheldon Richardson next to him inside. Depth is a little questionable at the defensive tackle position. Defensive end, I'm not concerned about. Um, you've got Chris Smith, who was with the Bengals, behind Garrett and Vernon. You've got um, Anthony Zettel, you've got Chad Thomas, last year's third-round pick. So I'm not as worried about the depth of defensive end as I am at defensive tackle. But I think that elite starting potential that Cleveland has gives them the advantage. I like what Pittsburgh has. Hayward's been a tremendous player for quite some time. Tua's a solid player. Um, you've got some depth with, with Alu-Alu, and you've got Javon Hargrave as the nose tackle. So there's some talent there. I don't think they're a bad defensive line, but you've got to pick a winner. So I think in terms of just the elite traits that Cleveland possesses, I would give them the advantage. I do want to – now, we haven't really – I haven't done this yet, but I, I do want to ask you a question. So I, here's the thing. I agree with you, and uh, we'll give it to uh, the Browns. But I, I do want to ask you this. Why do they struggle against James Conner last year? Because really – I think names and talent. I mean, Miles Garrett is a great defensive player. He are, he could be maybe the best defensive player in the AFC. T.J. Watt might have something to say about that, but but Garrett is is certainly lived up to his bidding as the number one pick or draft the first round pick. But the Steelers don't give up a lot of hundred yard rushers. That's not all because of the defensive line. But they certainly have a role, a big role in that. Um, the, the Browns struggled against James Conner last year. Why was that? Like, why sometimes have the Browns struggled against opposing running games with the talent they have on the D-line? Yeah, I think that's a fair question. I mean, it's it's a lot of different things. You've got some missed tackles at the linebacker unit. They've upgraded one defensive end position this offseason with um, swapping Emmanuel Agba for Olivier Vernon. 
Um, the defensive tackles left some to be desired last year. You know, you had Larry Ogunjobi last year who had a play, who had a, you know, pretty tremendous season, but they didn't get any production from the position next to him. So Pittsburgh was able to attack it right up the middle. Cleveland had no answer for it. They dealt with some injuries earlier in early in the year. Um, Jamie Collins was just an inconsistent guy that you really didn't know if he was going to show up on a week-to-week basis. Um, so I think poor tackling as well as just kind of some issues on the right side of that defensive line were probably what gave them some fits last year. Um, the hope with the defensive coordinator change is that the unit as a whole kind of progresses in terms of their tackling ability because they were pretty undisciplined in that regard last year. Um, that's a point of emphasis for them this off season. That certainly contributed to the amount of success that Connor was able to have. And, yeah, that needs to be corrected because – um, teams that have a solid interior like Pittsburgh are going to be able to make that kind of a dent in Cleveland's game if they do not play disciplined football. This is an interesting one, and I'm really excited to see. And it's not necessarily like the sexy position comparison, you know, receiver, running back, quarterback. But this is one that, that yeah, I'm excited to see. And I think it's going to have a big say in uh, what happens with these two teams next year. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens because, you know, yeah, both teams have talent. I would say the Browns maybe have more, but at, at the same time, the proof so far has been in the pudding. And like you said, it's not all the defensive line. It's injuries, it's other things, it's the linebackers. But the Steelers as a whole have, had, have done a better job against the run, especially when they've played head-to-head with Cleveland in recent years. Um now let's talk linebacker, and, and we really could break this down inside-outside, but overall as, as a unit, um, if you want to go ahead and kick us off here. And, uh, again, I mean, these are close. I mean, you know, everybody's kind of giving the Browns the division title, and, yeah, so far they have the edge in our uh, comparison. But it, it's closer, I think, at a lot of positions than people think. Yeah, I mean, from Cleveland's perspective, you've got – um, Jamie Collins moving on from one outside linebacker position who we're finding out today is probably returning to the Patriots. Um, you've got Joe Schobert returning at inside linebacker, Christian Kirksey returning at outside linebacker. Um, that other starting outside linebacker position is up for competition. You've got Jannard Avery, a promising pass rusher from last season, competing with Darius Taylor, who was a free agent signing, and then they used two of their first three, four, two of their first four picks on linebackers this year with Sione Takitaki and Mac Wilson. So those guys are going to compete um, for one starting position. And then you've got those other guys returning last year, but um, I'm going to give the advantage to Pittsburgh in this one. I think I'm just more intrigued by the upside. You've got TJ Watt who had a tremendous rookie year. Um, Bud Dupree still has a ton of potential Um, You know, whether he reaches that level and plays consistently, because we have seen him play at a Pro Bowl level in the past. He just hasn't done it consistently. And then you add Devin Bush to that unit, I think there's a lot to be excited about. But I also don't think that the the margin is as much as we've seen in some of these other positions. No, yeah, and I'm with you. And I think that um, it's funny because I always look at Miles Garrett as an outside linebacker because just – and that's where the edge rushers kind of like muddled. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like Cameron Hayward's like a true defensive end. And, uh, you know, Gilbert, or I'm sorry, Garrett is just kind of that hybrid. But, um, you know, but yeah, I mean, I think that the Steelers linebackers, like you said, there's so much upside there. And Watt is, 
like Garrett, you know, two two first round picks in seventeen, they've established themselves as stars. Both had good rookie seasons and showed a lot of promise, and then and then they really stood out last year, both of them, and both made the the Pro Bowl AFC roster. So, uh, yeah, I mean, T.J. Watt, uh, thirteen sacks last year, a half a sack behind Garrett. You know, really has become a leader, um, one of the best outside linebackers in the league. You know, then I, the Devin Bush thing, obviously, you know, he's going to be the guy that everybody remembers the Steelers 19 draft by how well he performs. And, you know, I actually think Dupree's done better than people think. I mean, I think people need to understand that, that, uh, you know, he checks a lot of the boxes. He's good against the run. He's decent against the pass, had a pick six last year against Tampa Bay, uh, still, you know, gets, you know, between six and seven sacks a year. So he's productive. He, he's rotate, he switched sides with uh, Watt last year and, you know, everybody, including Watt and Keith Butler, the D coordinator, said they were happy with what they saw. So, and then Vince Williams, he's just a solid guy. His, his sack total was a little bit down last year, but they also asked him to do different things in the defense. So, yeah, I do like Pittsburgh here uh, as well. And with that, uh, Josh, we've got a four to three ball game in favor of the Browns with three positions to go, I believe. So, uh, it, it's getting interesting here. And uh, <laughs> let's talk about one position that. A lot of people would probably give to the Browns, but like I'm going to steal a Lee Corso line here. Not not so fast, you know. We're going to at least discuss this and talking cornerbacks. Uh, a guy that Brown fans know well, Joe Hayden, uh, who has played very well, and he hasn't made a Pro Bowl since he's come over, but he's played very well to the point where I think the Steelers are going to try to get him extended this off season. Uh, you know, he's at one side. Then you've got Steven Nelson coming over from Kansas City. He had four picks, 15 pass breakups. And then uh, the Steelers got another guy that, that Browns fans know, Justin Lane, who grew up a Browns fan in Cleveland, had 24 passes defense in three years in Michigan State. Didn't have a lot of interceptions. He's going to compete for a starting job as well. Uh, and they have some depth. I mean, Mike Hilton is a good, a good young player. Uh, Artie Burns, uh, he's, he, this is, he's really much down to his last at bat. Uh, he lost his starting job last year, which prompted the Steelers to make some moves in free agency and getting Wayne. But, I mean, when you just look at, uh, you know, Joe Hayden on one side, Steven Nelson on the other side, Mike Hilton, uh, and then even Cam Sutton, a 2017 draft pick. The Steelers do have a lot of depth at the cornerback position, uh, and I think that, that they've made significant improvements to that position going into 19. Uh, is it enough to be better than Cleveland? That's why we have you, Josh, to let us know. No, I don't think it is. I mean, you've got <laughs> Joe Hayden, quick, huh? and, and obviously, and obviously, you know, he he played at a high level at the beginning of his career. But he's a guy that's thirty years old now, and while I think he's still a solid mm-hmm. player, Denzel Ward is arguably one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL now. You know, he played up to his number four status. He was a Pro Bowler in his um, his rookie season. You added Greedy Williams, who I had graded as the top man cover coverage cornerback in this draft class you get him in the second round that bumps down these other guys you got Terrence Mitchell who played at a pretty high level before being injured last year he's now your number three TJ Carey who's probably best suited in this slot is now your number four a guy that signed for seven million dollars annually last offseason so you know once you add a guy like Williams you bump down those other guys and it just kind of adds depth as a whole to the unit um, as far as Justin Lane is concerned, I like his upside. I like his potential. Um, to me, he was just a guy that, you know, needs a little bit of coaching. He need, he he looked a little bit off balance. There were times where he looked like he might lack focus. Um, so I think he's got a lot of potential. 
you maybe have a nice solid tandem there with uh, with Joe Hayden and Justin Lane if you know if if Hayden can coach him up. I think that's a very important thing too because Hayden has a lot of knowledge. Um, but just for my money, I mean, I have to give it to Cleveland. I think the potential that they have there with with Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward probably outweighs um, the potential that's in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I agree, and, and the Steelers have done some things. I mean, they really did address the corner position, and, and it's funny because I feel like people are still kind of doubting Nelson just because how many – I mean, everybody watched the AC Championship game, and they didn't – you know, the Chiefs secondary and defense as a whole, you can't just pin it on the secondary, uh, didn't do anything to stop Brady there at the end. I mean, again, like that's a tough, tough ask, but, I mean, nobody I, I don't think thought of Kansas City last year and was really afraid of the defense. They were afraid of uh, – Patrick Mahomes. So I think that there is kind of doubts about how good Nelson actually is. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. But again, yeah, I mean, there's potential there, but the Browns already have some some really solid talent at the corner position. So uh, one more uh, peg on the on the Browns belt here, Josh. It's five to three with two more positions, and I don't know what the tiebreaker would be. Maybe coach. Maybe coach will be the tiebreaker. Uh, so if, if we have to get to that point, but we'll see. Uh, Let's go ahead with uh, with the safeties, and I'll let you have first crack at this one. Yeah, this one's this one's going to be it's, it's going to be interesting. I like Demarius Randall. Um, he has only played; he's only been back to free safety for one season. He played free safety in college. Green Bay moved him to to cornerback. Cleveland gave him the opportunity to move back to free safety, and he played at a really high level this past season. Um, Strong safety. You had Jabril Peppers, a former first-round pick. You traded him to the Giants for Odell Beckham Jr. Their way of rebounding was to acquire Morgan Burnett, a guy that Pittsburgh is familiar with. Um, He dealt Mm -hmm. with some injuries last year. I think he's better than probably what he showed. Um, And then they acquired Eric Murray from from the Chiefs as, as some depth to that position as well. So, um, as far as that's concerned, you look at what Pittsburgh has. I wasn't a Terrell Edmonds fan coming out of the draft last year. You can attest to that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you've got Sean Davis, Marcus Allen. I was probably a little higher on Marcus Allen, um, considering where he was drafted. But I just think, based on what they have accomplished in the league so far, I would probably give a slight edge to Cleveland yet again. Um, but this mm-hmm. is certainly one that could flip flop depending on how Edmonds plays this year. So, yeah, and that's, again, we're talking about tangibles versus potential here, and I think that, um, or our previous production versus potential, and I think that's kind of been, it's kind of the question mark with, with a lot of the Steeler positions. You just don't know because, I mean, defensive line, you know, offensive line, you know, quarterbacks, running backs for the most part with Connor, receivers you don't, um, corners you do with Hayden, but you don't with Nelson and Lane and Sutton. Um, and the and linebackers, I think you do for the most part with the exception of Bush. Uh, safeties is another question mark. I mean, I, now, I also was skeptical about Edmonds. Then, you know, you see him at training camp. He's a physical specimen. I mean, you could see why the Steelers wanted him. And he is, you know, everybody's looking for the new hybrid inside linebacker, and that's what you have with Devin Bush. And now that's, that's what you have with, um, with Terrell Edmonds. And talking about the draft, which I, a guy I didn't discuss also with Sutton Smith, another outside linebacker that – I'm expecting big things out of from Pittsburgh, but we already gave the win to the Steelers at linebacker. I need to do a better job here with the safeties. Uh, now, Edmonds was like you said. I mean, the thought was let's sign Burnett. We're going to get Edmonds, and 
Burnett's going to start, and they're going to work Edmondson slowly. But when Burnett struggled with injuries, Edmonds was had to, had to play. And you see a lot of those losses the Steelers had last year. It was a lot of last-second big plays and touchdowns from the opposition. And on a lot of those, and I'm specifically remembering a, a couple plays in the Raider game, uh, Edmonds was just there, but he missed it. You know, he was he was in position. He was just just right behind the play. And I think he's going to learn from that. I think he's going to bounce back, have a really good season. Um, I really thought they would draft a, a free safety because um, Sean Davis is not uh, by you know by trade really a, a free safety. He was a strong safety. They moved him in when they got Edmonds, but apparently they liked him enough um, to to not draft anybody, and they're giving him another stab at it. I mean, it's a prove-it year for Marcus Allen. It's a prove-it year for Brian Allen. Um, so who do we give this one to, Josh? I, again, I think that the Steelers' potential could give it to them. I don't I don't know if safety is really the strong suit for either team. But I, I, if there's one position with the Steelers that I think is going to surprise people next year, it will be the safety position. I think it's going to be a lot better than it was last year. Yeah, for me, and, you know, this has been part of my decision-making for a lot of the previous positions as well but for me it comes down to like you said production against potential and right now for me Cleveland has more known commodities at the safety position than Pittsburgh so I Mm -hmm. I give them the advantage yeah I do too man I do too who would have thought the safety probably been the most the the hardest one to pick um and and all these are I mean I think the thing is as we're as we're discussing these they're a lot closer than we think and uh, that brings us to our last one. The, the Browns are going to win. Uh, they have a 6-3 to three advantage. The question now is, uh, are they going to blow blow the Steelers out here in the roster uh, comparisons, or are the Steelers going to make it look respectful on the scoreboard? And we'll go to special teams. And, uh, you know, Chris Boswell comes back, and uh, he had a terrible year last year. Um, now, did end it on a, on a better note. He, he made his last couple of field goals against New Orleans and had one big one against the Patriots before uh, – ending his season in week 17 with an injury. And, uh, you know, he's going to have to compete for a starting job in 19, but but barring his struggles continue, which everybody within the Steelers believes that it's already behind him, whatever it was, um, he'll be back to Pro Bowl form. I mean, you can argue uh, with with strong conviction that he was the league's best kicker uh, from 15 to 17. And in 17, he was a major reason why. I mean, he – he could have been uh, – you could make a strong argument that he was the team's MVP in 17 along with Antonio Brown. Um, Jordan Berry is good but not great. I mean, he's a, good, he's a decent punter. Um, he's had some struggles here and there. Almost lost his starting job in training camp last year but, but fought. I mean, he's a fighter. Um, I think it's – if Boswell performs what he did in the past, this one should be a, a layup. But there's no promising that. So, uh, with that, yeah, what do you got with the Browns special teams here? Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't know much about Jordan Berry. Um, I will say, sure. you know, Britton Colquitt, he had a pretty solid career. Um, you know, in Denver, he's played pretty solid for Cleveland. In terms of kicker, you've got to give the advantage to Pittsburgh. I know Boswell struggled a bit last year, but he's just had the more consistent career. Cleveland's kind of cycled through kickers since, you know, they made the decision to part with Phil Dawson several years ago. So, um, they hope they finally corrected that. They used a fifth-round pick on Austin's, Austin Seibert this year, um, which is pretty high for, for the kicker position. But I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I mean, I, I said that this is a production versus potential 
arguments, and I think just based on the production point, you've got to give a slight edge to Pittsburgh at this point in time. So the final tally, Josh, is the Browns roster is better by a six to four count, and I think that's accurate. I really do. I think that, and I think I think the main theme um, was production versus potential, and I think that you're. Um, now we did give Boswell the benefit of the doubt, expecting he'll be back to his his 2017 production, but overall. Like, again, for the running back position, I mean, we're both high on Benny Snell. We're both high on Jalen Samuels. But the Browns have already shown what they have in Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt and whatnot. Receivers, I mean, I, I think Deontay Johnson, James Washington, there's, there are some positive things there. But at the end of the day, the, the Browns arguably have the best receiving duo in the entire NFL. Um, you know, so I, I think those are things to look at. Um, is can I mean potential wise the Steelers roster really could be better than it's been in, in the last four or five years, which is crazy to say, considering they lost Brown and Bell and they were in an AFC title game three years ago. But that's all potential and it's crazy to say, but the Browns have at this point more proven players, especially at the cornerback position, the receiver position. Um so what does it come down to? I think it comes down to, you know, the trenches. Can the Browns offensive line protect Baker? Um, can the de- can the defense do a better job stopping the run and do a better job tackling? And for the Steelers, are those young receivers going to come of age? Um, and is the secondary going to be better? Because the Steelers have led the league in sacks the last couple of years, but they haven't been able to make key stops. And they had uh, they were minus 11 last year in the turnover ratio, which was 28th in the league. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting, Josh. And but I think the the one thing maybe that we learned from this this back and forth was. It's closer than people think. I, I definitely think that the Browns should be considered the favorite in the AFC North, but but I don't think it should be considered a runaway right now. Yeah, from a talent perspective, I mean, Cleveland has one of the most talented rosters in the NFL, in my opinion. So, I mean, it's not really – yeah, you know, it's not really. It doesn't mean as much to kind of lose to the Browns in that category as what it might have meant in the past, but – you know, it doesn't matter what your roster looks like on paper. You've got to go out and you've got to put it together on the field. So for my money, and I, you know, I say this all the time, I look at it from kind of a realistic approach. Pittsburgh and Baltimore have been the gold standard in the AFC North um, since Cleveland's return in 1999. Until you go out and show that, you know, you deserve to be in that conversation and that you can play with them on a consistent basis, for me, the division is always going to go through Pittsburgh and Baltimore. So, yeah, there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic in terms of Cleveland's roster. Um, you know, you, we, we didn't talk about coaching, but Freddie Kitchens is the new guy. Um, he is his first year as a head coach. He spent less than five months as an offensive coordinator before that promotion. Um, so it's all relatively new to him. I'm, I was very excited by what he was able to do with the – with a modified version of Todd Haley's offense last year. And I do think that they're going to have a lot of success on the offensive side of the ball because um, you bring in Todd Monk and a guy that was a head coaching candidate at a few places. Um, so that collaboration between Kitchens and Monk, Munkin should be pretty fruitful. Um, you've got Steve Wilkes, a defensive coordinator. So you've got the pieces that would lead outsiders, Browns fans to be optimistic but it doesn't matter if you don't go out and you perform on the field. So this is all great to talk about. But until Cleveland goes out and they actually start proving some of these things, it's hard for me to say that they deserve to be ranked above Pittsburgh or Baltimore um, at this stage. Although 
I'm not as big on Lamar Jackson as some people, but that's a conversation for a different day. Yes, it is, because, man, I don't know what it is. And uh, it's funny because uh, at a local store nearby, there's a, a guy that works there that is the only Ravens fan that I know. And uh, we debate that quite often, uh, that I, for whatever reason, I've always been high on Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, and my father also hates that because he's like, they're running that high school offense and they're going to win the division. And to me, I, I love his intangibles. I love uh, – his desire to prove people wrong. I love his willingness to do whatever it takes to win. Um, I'm sure he didn't love the way that he had to uh, play last year in order to, to, to have success, but he was also thrust into a, uh, a tough situation, having to replace Joe Flacco, a team that was four and five, and their coach was facing, uh, you know, he was on the hot seat. And uh, but, but at the end of the day, they can't run that offense again next year and have success. And I think that's, that's another thing that, 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 the big question mark overall in the AFC North is whether or not he is going to evolve or is he going to stay stagnant. And if that, if the latter is the case, then then the Ravens are going to be uh, at best the third best team in the AFC North. And really, the team that no one's really talking about is Cincinnati. And uh, you know, I, I you know I don't know. I mean, as long as you have it, you know, and Andy Dalton is not a Ben Roethlisberger, and he's probably not even a Baker May- Mayfield. Um, but as long as you still have a franchise quarterback and you've got some decent defensive players, you know, they've got Dunlap and Atkins, uh, you know, and A.J. Green, I mean, I'm not – I don't think they're just going to lay down. Um, I think that they will be a tough competitive team next year. Yeah, I really don't. <laughs> Quite frankly, I don't I don't really see – I mean, I was never that high. I think Andy Dalton's a solid quarterback. Um, don't get me wrong, but he's never been able to do enough to, to really elevate them, even with some of the talent that they have. There was a year where Cincinnati probably had one of the top three most talented rosters in the NFL. Um, and then you mm-hmm. hire Zach Taylor, who is probably a little bit too ripe for the head coaching position right now. I think he's 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 got tremendous potential. And if you want to learn from somebody in the NFL right now, it's probably Sean McVay. But I'm not sure that he's ready to to handle this. And if you want to, you know, kind of hold that against Freddie Kitchens, you've got to do that against Zach Taylor as well. So um, I I think Cincinnati is going to really struggle this year, quite frankly, but we'll see. Well, I hope you're right, you know. (laughs) You know, I'm good with that. I mean, you look look at New England's dominance, and I think that's one thing that, you know, you – you have to give them credit. I'm not trying to discredit them, but they also, it's no secret that they're playing in arguably the worst division in the league. And, you know, they're all professionals. I mean, and that's where I hate when people say, oh, Alabama could beat the Bills or they could beat the Dolphins. I, no. I mean, the this is a, a team comprised, every team is a team comprised of college standouts. So that wouldn't be the case. But that being said, it, it I mean, and you remember, there were some years where um, the Steelers would win the division and then they'd go out in the first round because, you know, the Bengals took it out of them or the Ravens you know, or whatever. And uh, so you need, in my opinion, at least one quote-unquote cupcake in your in your division just to make things easier. And the Browns are obviously not that anymore. Um, the Ravens are going to be a tough team. I mean, um, I, don't, I, I think that they, if I had to pick right now, I'd put them third, and I think the Steelers and Browns are fighting for the division title. And, you know, talent-wise, you've got to give the Browns the edge right now. But if the Steelers – play and they match some of, the, some of the potential of the players they have that are unproven and given the leadership qualities that Ben has. And I, and I think the thing that we haven't discussed is the drive. You know, these guys know that the last year was considered a failure. They know that was a wasted opportunity to win a championship and 
Um, you know, you, you look at, and I know, you know, you don't want to read too much into OTAs, you know, and, and I know on your end, like there was a big to do about whether or not Jarvis Jones or Landry or, or no, Odell Beckham would show up and all that. Um, so you can't read too much into what's going on right now, but I, I do really like the fact that uh, the Steelers are showing up and showing out for OTAs. I mean, you know, it's a who's who of who's there. Um, you know, and Ben isn't there all the time, but he's, he's shown up occasionally. But other than that, pretty much everybody's there. Juju, James Conner, Pouncey, Hayden, Villanueva, uh, you know, Hayward. And they're also spending time together outside of the football field. They're going to hospitals. Hayward had a big thing for his foundation yesterday, and a bunch of guys, players showed up for that, including Devin Bush. So I'm loving that aspect. Uh, I don't know how much you read into that, Josh, just the external things that I'm discussing and whether or not that could give one team an advantage over the other. Because conversely with the Browns now, this is the first time in a long time now they're dealing with expectation. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how um, the existential stuff, uh, how that affects both teams, positively and negatively. It'll be interesting. I mean – Baker has a good relationship with Jarvis and, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. He's he's known him for a few years now. And they even got together last year and had kind of a throwing session in California when Tyrod Taylor was still on the team. So there's some history there. It's not a completely new fabricated relationship, but um, there's a lot of new pieces in, in terms of Cleveland with, you know, Kareem Hunt, Sheldon Richardson. You've got a new right guard, Austin Corbett. Um, Olivier Vernon, you've got new coaching staff largely. So how will it all play out? That's something that's ultimately going to determine the success of this Brown season. But um, for anybody to say one way or another how it's going to play out is um, probably getting a little ahead of themselves. Yeah, I think one thing that everybody can probably agree on now, and it's safe, is and anything can happen. Injury. I mean, Ben gets hurt or Baker, all of a sudden it's all all bets are off. But um, I, I think right now, as it currently stands, I think it's a safe bet to say that Pittsburgh and Cleveland will both be around ten wins, and they're going to be competing for the for the division title. And the Ravens are the wild card, you know, option there, and and uh, the the Bengals are going to be the last place team. Um, and again, anything can happen. I mean, you've seen. I mean, we've seen. Uh, not, I mean, we've seen the Rams go from a a, a bad team in, in 2016 to division champs in 17 to being in the Super Bowl last year. So um, you, you never know. And at some point later down the road, me and Josh will do some more shows. We'll do some predictions. Uh, you know, we might even, you know, we'll dig into the some of the games Pittsburgh and Cleveland will be playing against one another. I, I for one, think that those two games are going to determine who wins the North. Um, and I love – how they're two weeks apart. Pittsburgh has to go there in week 11 at night, and then the Browns come back in two weeks and, and they, they play again. I, I think whoever can get out of those two games, particularly maybe the second one, the rematch, uh, that's going to set up – one of those teams will be in the driver's seat the last month, and it's going to be because of what happened those two weeks, if that makes sense. And, um, Josh, thanks for joining us. Uh, I know you're busy, uh, and, uh, you know, we together figured out that the Browns right now do indeed have the better roster, but uh, anything can happen. But for now, that's where we stand, and uh, we appreciate you joining the show, man. Hey, anytime, man. Let's do this again. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, stay tuned for all your news on the Browns and Steeler coverage. Keep it locked on 24-7 Sports.